Thanks for following us back to another episode of In Horror We Trust. To start out, a little childhood nostalgia. We were getting some materials that we needed today to set up our brand spanking new mics. Hopefully we sound glorious to all you lovely people. And so we saw Pop Rocks and we decided to bring on some (laughs) nostalgia. Alright, ready? These are going to be freaking great. Yeah, right. They're gonna be they're everyone's favorite flavor. Okay, don't hate on grapes. I'm not hating on it. it. I'm not (laughs) hating on it. I I can admit that it isn't my favorite, but I do like it a lot more than I used to as a kid. In all fairness, all the only flavor they had left was grape, so it's not like she had much of a decision. Now my least favorite flavor is like orange. I love oranges. I'm such a weirdo. I love orange. I love grape and I love orange. The one that I don't like is cherry. Whoa! I think cherry. (laughs) I think I think cherry tastes like medication. Like it tastes like cough drops. I get that. I'm not into that. I get that. I I definitely prefer strawberry though. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. But I think people think that about grape. But yeah, I used to, but now not so much. I love it. All right, you ready? Let's do this. <laughs> oh my god! Are you exploding? Oh, oh my god! Is this crisp enough for you? Is your mouth supposed to be bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> it's a party in my mouth. Yeah. What kind of music are they playing? And like all I think about is you. Late nights in the middle of June. He went copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> You're out, bud. Okay, apologies, guys, if you hear little, that. Little uh, the little tippy tappies in the background. Those are um, my housemate's dogs, Bella, who's so adorable, but she's. Got our tippy tappies going, and then On this um, beautiful wood floor. I know, and then we got little Jasper. So if you hear them, my apologies. Well, I did want to just bring up that uh, it's been an exciting couple weeks. We've been seeing some analytics that are personally very exciting. Yes. Um, I'm not gonna throw out numbers because uh. One, two, three, four. No, but they they are genuinely just small victories for us. Yes. I, we're very very excited that people are yeah. enjoying. We didn't think anyone. You yeah. know, maybe like our three friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that like you know our friends and family would enjoy it and like we could just get out there and talk yeah. about what we're passionate about and at least get to express ourselves creatively but the you have fact- a fun ass time together yeah wait open your hand <laughs> I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm but um at the same time it's just it's been a fun ride and to see that other people are, are enjoying us as well is really cool like we both didn't think this was going to happen this quickly yeah and creating our socials twitter and instagram yes so far 
We yes. are planning to create a TikTok. Absolutely. Um, probably a Facebook, but Facebook and Instagram are kind of tied together. together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but seeing on Twitter, like kind of connecting with other podcasts. Yeah. Starting to connect is really exciting. Super exciting for us. Other we horror we love that. Yeah. Um, we so, want to make all the friends. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And I hope you keep listening. <laughs> yes, please. And can I just uh, put a little tidbit in? If you are listening to us and you are enjoying hearing us talk about all sorts of fun things, please do us the great honor of possibly rating us. We would truly, truly appreciate that. Um, it takes a couple seconds. You don't have to write much. Just give us whatever stars you think we deserve. And yeah, we would very, very much appreciate it. So, Cheers to that. Yes, we are celebrating um, Women's History Month. Yes, a whole month. But you should celebrate women every fucking month. You should celebrate women every fucking day. Every fucking second. You can't say one thing without celebrating women. You can't. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, kick it off with our favorite dames of death. Um, Ooh, I like that. Dames of death. It just came off the top of my head. That was great. I think that should be the title of this oh. episode. You know, it being Women's History Month, um, we can't help but immediately think back to women just in film, period. And Chris and I, as we've told you before in a previous episode, we have both gone to film school. It is kind of a male-dominated industry, but how we've been seeing more women kind of show their faces and come up and decide, hey, this is what I want to do too. And Chris and I have worked with multiple amazing women and these women are absolutely brilliant and they have a fire deep inside them like they are just so eager and wanting to get out into this field and make an insane like just footprint on film history it's nothing but exciting to see what the future holds for not only film in general but specifically for horror and i think that you know seeing so many women want to come forth in this industry is really refreshing especially for chris and i because we we want to work with these these eager women we want to make big moves with fellow females and to see it just growing and growing and accumulating over time has it's warmed our hearts yeah i know that and so we thought what better way to kind of celebrate all of this than to celebrate women in an episode you part or two yes absolutely because there's a lot to grow over and there's a lot that we just want to gush about yeah Yeah, so i think we're gonna start this part with just the general perception of women historically in films and specifically in horrors the evolution of that as we are seeing today and some of our favorite you know notable women filmmakers crafters makeup artists composers you know producers everyone there's there's so many to be recognized that don't get enough recognition absolutely So while researching a little bit for this episode, we came across, you know, little tidbits of data here and there on women being in the industry in general. And a notable one is that um, in a 2019 study, um, women accounted for 4% of special effects supervisors 
and 5% of claims to be inclusive and representative of people, especially in a genre like horror where women are the core drive for almost every film. You would think the same energy would be kept behind the scenes as in front of the camera. Still, as more industries continue to be called out for those disparities, the women behind the action now deserve some recognition. So the possibility of growth in the industry is absolutely tangible. Yeah. And not only growth of women behind the camera, but also just of the types of characters that we see on the camera. And again, we're starting to see that today. Because as we know in history starting out, women are usually used as an object of desire, of lust. They're constantly sexualized. Absolutely. In film and especially in horror. Um, Or they're often used as the plot point of being the damsel in distress. Yes. And serving only as kind of fuel for the slashers or for the other male characters in the film. Yeah. Um, there's like an idea that women who act in a sexual way deserve to be punished. And not only in horror, you know, a lot of times in dramas or just other films, you know, if there's a promiscuous woman, they, I don't know, they're the downfall of the male protagonist at some point in the film, you know, they cause them, you know, a lot of trouble in the film. Absolutely. And I mean, that goes back. I mean, that whole thought of a female character goes back into horror movies for as long Mm -hmm. as we can remember. That's kind of like one of the quote unquote rules of horror is like, oh, don't have sex. Once you have sex, it's all over. And so usually the first person to have sex, which is usually a woman in these movies, ends up being the first one to die. So it's like she's serving her purpose just as a sexualized character. And you look back at the classic films and all the posters are usually of a monster holding a woman who is in distress, but is very, very, I don't want to say sexually dressed, but... Scantily clad, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like almost half naked a lot of the time in in the posters. Or even how we get this whole, again, going back to like, the whole cliche of the, you know, the typical kind of female character in a horror movie where she's big breasted, she's blonde often, she, you know, runs around, she can't, can't run straight, she's always tripping over herself. It's like this incompetent human being that's just there to be served as fuel for what's going after her. What Sydney Prescott says in screen. Exactly. She says, What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who is always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It's insulting. Absolutely. Which is part of the brilliance of that movie because Sydney ends up doing the exact same thing. Yeah, but proving that, you know... (laughs) She can get away. Yeah. They're breaking that rule while also teasing it. And then um, another, you know, point that I've seen being portrayed quite often in horror films is like this whole idea of a monstrous like kind of woman or like Mm -hmm. a monstrous body and that Mm -hmm. being female and I think that stems from not understanding women completely so it's like oh a woman is pregnant like we got to put her in a situation of dire distress and so they feel the need to create this character to kind of like 
almost create women into a monster in order to kind of like fear them. Well, I guess I'm I'm kind of like referring to like maybe movies like Teeth. Have you ever seen that one? I have not, but I have seen that. Where it's like promiscuity is always viewed as this like horrible thing. Like in society and in, you know, horror movies in particular. And so in this movie, they have a woman who has literal teeth in her vagina. And she goes around um, killing the men that have abused her. And it's turned around to make it look like she's the villain because she's Mm -hmm. protecting herself from being abused by literally giving her teeth in her vagina. But all she's doing is reclaiming ownership of her own body. Right. It's just interesting to see how that kind of element plays in um, the representation of women in film often over and over again. Right. Yeah, I actually have just a good couple quotes from... Jess Joho for an article she wrote for Mashable called The Best Women-Centric and Feminist Horror Movies when I was researching this subject. She said, women in horror movies make for strange bedfellows, yet also simultaneously one of the most fruitful marriages in all of film. What I find really interesting too, where like not only have I read this or seen this in interviews, but also spoken to other women about Horror movies can kind of be a little cathartic for women because we're able to sit back in our homes and watch all of these fears that we hold on a daily basis play out on a TV screen safely on your couch Mm -hmm. at home. And so it's like that whole idea where women love to listen to like murder mysteries or like the investigative podcast stuff and and like all that, that kind of content because we know that that kind of stuff happens in Mm -hmm. real life. So to be able to kind of play out that fear, but in the safety of your own home is pretty, is pretty thrilling for women. And I feel like that kind of gravitates women to horror in general. So to see, you know, an uprising in women being fond of this genre is kind of liberating. Yes, definitely. And not only get to watch that kind of trauma take place from a safe place and yeah, kind of get that, yeah, liberate that feeling and that fear from you. But it also, in most instances, gives them a chance to see a woman fight back and make it out and defeat that fear. Yeah, and sometimes fight back to an extent where (laughs) women who have gone through that trauma may not have been able to do in their real life. Yeah. Like, for instance, with movies that deal with really tough subject matter like Rape Revenge, like with stuff like Glass House on the the Left or Revenge. And those are very sensitive topics and they're really hard to watch and people kind of sit there and wonder, like, why would you watch that? Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't sound like a fun time. But I think to see these women not only... I wouldn't say conquer because that's kind of a loaded word but to see them navigate that trauma in the moment of the film and kind of take back ownership of that trauma in these movies in such a vengeful way is kind of cathartic me personally I really don't like seeing a gratuitous full full on rape scene and I'm not knocking the films you know that you could still be a good film But I just think it's unnecessary and especially for, you know, people who have that as a a real trigger, you know, from past experience, they probably don't want to relive that so visually. And I 
So that's why I really like movies that can allude to that in not not such an in an overt way, but they they allude to like it follows. Yes. It follows and Jennifer's body specifically. Those two it. movies are brilliant. Yeah, they brilliant. do it in such a great way that keeps you engaged but also keep, like maintains the gravity of the situation Absolutely. and conveys that seriousness and that torment and trauma. I'm so sorry if you guys can hear that in the background. That is Belly chewing on one of her rubber bones. Hi, Dios. I I want to talk more in depth on those two movies in the second part of this episode when we talk more about the films because there's a lot to say. Yeah, there is a lot to say. I highly recommend those two because they definitely deal with that subject matter in much more of an allegorical way, but they keep the horror like... Alive, still alive, yeah. fun to watch, and definitely scary. Yeah, but still confronting that kind of fear and that yeah, trauma and the trauma. And the idea of women being able to, yeah, reclaim their power and absolutely confront their tormentors, if you will, in in horror films. Like, yes, we have our final girls that make it out, and it's beautiful. Like, we love those characters. Yeah. Yet there are still, they are still subjected to enormous torment throughout the film. Obviously, it's a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to have to endure something really fucked up. Um, but it's, yeah, they're subjected to enormous victimization for most of the film before they reach that moment of resistance. And um, it's it's also just interesting that, like, before you get your final girl, there are, like, several other women characters that precede getting your final girl that just get killed off like yeah. in the most brutal way. So it's it's interesting and I see what Jess is saying in that article where they make for strange bedfellows yet a fruitful marriage. Because you it, it's just interesting cuz like why are those women not worthy of survival? Which yes. obviously I know the the film's not saying like no they don't deserve to yeah. live or no, anything. No, absolutely. It's adding to the horror of course and yeah. setting up that but it is just interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting that you see, like, clearly the sexual girl is going to get killed off quick. Yeah, but at the same time, it is a level of feminism in yeah, horror. It's making because you... yeah, not yeah. not necessarily because like these other women are getting killed off, mm-hmm. but that the final character is always a female. Yeah, and that in a sense is 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 kind of feminist. Like, what other characters usually survive a horror film? Right, like women are usually the lone yeah. lone standard, and I'm I'm speaking relatively for like slashers. I think Scream makes an interesting point, you know, towards the end when you they state the rules, the usual rules of a slasher, and yeah, uh, if you have sex, you die. Um, and then at the end, you know, Sydney has sex with the killer, but she makes it out. Yeah. Like, you know, it, that was probably the first film to really slap in your face that like any kind of you know. A woman, woman character can be a final girl. You know? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be the virginal, like, yeah, non rule breaking, mm-hmm. like, never smoke a joint, never yeah. drink a beer, like. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's so many possibilities in horror films to really give women a platform and an avenue. Absolutely. To just reclaim their power. Yeah. Again, I know I say that phrase a lot, but <laughs> at the end of the day, that's 
just the main thing. And not to say that women should have to always be portrayed as powerful. I think speaking along of like what we were just saying, one of the quotes from one of my favorite female-led movies, um, Ginger Snaps, yeah. uh, Ginger kind of says it best. I think it was Ginger that said it. But she said, which is Catherine Isabel. She's a phenomenal actress that has, you know, worked in a lot of horror films. Um, But she says, a girl can only be a slut, a bitch, a tease, or the virgin next door. And I think that a lot, it is great. (laughs) And I think that there are a lot of newer films coming out in the genre that are proving that, no, women are not just that in movies. And they They can can be more than that. Yeah, they can be very dynamic, have... Absolutely. Much more layers than, yeah, those very shallow archetypes. Yeah. And make it a fucking fun-ass horror film. Yeah. Movie. But, oh, well, you were saying just the films we're getting more recently are really opening the door to all of this. Absolutely. It, it's, like, been a horror renaissance the yeah, past It really decade. has. It really has. Um, I feel Specifically like, for women. I feel like it's, like, almost an awakening Yeah. for women in horror. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm excited for because what like what we've received so far has been so enthralling and like yeah. I I mean I want to say one of the most notable ones that we've gotten recently was Midsomar yeah and again working through traumas and whatnot which was yes. unbelievable and I'm just I'm excited to see what's to come because all these women are so badass and again yeah not just more more roles for women yes. but. But filmmakers and just positions oh, on the crew. I mean, for God's sake, like, yeah. um, w- most recently, the woman who directed um, Candyman. Nia DaCosta. Nia DaCosta. Yes. Yes, yes. There we go. Yeah. Like, and and that's not, like, some small little niche, like, horror film. That yeah. was, like, a big mm-hmm. budget blockbuster that everyone had been waiting to yes. see. Highly anticipated. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. So here to see more of that. It's a whole nother... It's a whole nother thing, just women of color in the industry, obviously, on screen and off screen. And going back to another quote from Jess's article, I agree with her saying, until we allow a fuller spectrum of women to be both the creators and subjects of horror films, we cannot say that feminism has reclaimed the genre from all its gatekeepers. Absolutely. Yes, there are... A lot more women of color getting into the industry and into horror, but it's it's trickling in. It's trickling in. Definitely. I I still but I I saw this kind of online, um, just in regards to not even horror, just in general, some new shows that have been focused on like a black perspective and a black story. And it's still at this point to where these stories are focused on their tragedy and their trauma. Absolutely. And I've seen people say that they are kind of over that and they want to just have some regular content, some regular, regular fun content. Yeah. yeah, regular characters. Like people of color can do just as, you know, any other role than like a role that's specifically focused on um, that. Yeah. Even for females and not having it be on a feminist issue, you know, having female characters of depth that can just be in any kind of horror role or horror story that's fun and doesn't have to be focused on like fueled by their race yes exactly fueled by their race or fueled by 
I don't know. Is that weird to say? Like, fueled by, like, a very strong feminist drive? Like, it could just be... Absolutely. You know, yeah. There, there needs to be just all around more horror stories and stories in general in film where women get very dynamic roles that, yeah, their motivation isn't driven solely by this, this goal of, like... Uh, like no. a feminist goal. Yeah, or... no, I hear what you're saying. So, like, for instance, a story that's not, like, um, that's not race-driven, for instance, like, yes. it being problematic that, you know, their their color or orientation or gender is the sole reason that they are in that role. Yes. Where it's just, yes, like, they're exactly. a normal functioning human being just like any other character in a film that doesn't have to be drive by something different exactly and or them being different excuse me and obviously we do need some of these stories but i just think moving forward to be fully inclusive yeah because those stories do have a time and a place where it is you know it's purposeful it's done to raise awareness about hey like there are certain disparities in society that we need to address yeah but at the same time, it's like media doesn't need to be flooded with all of those stories because then I, I think it, it gets to a point where it's not important anymore. Right. So maybe just having people, you know, especially women of color, yeah. of different ethnicities, like just existing in a film yeah. as like any other role without it like essentially being an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And again, they don't constantly need to be reminded of their trauma. Yeah. And like just stigmas and discrimination absolutely it's great yeah i mean it's established and it should be established obviously but now you know we can move on and allow them to be yeah the stories to just yeah be stories and these people to just exist in these films without it having to be an archetype and we're getting beautiful marriages of this though like candy man you know it's very it's getting there yeah it's definitely getting there and i'm just hoping that this continues to a point where, like, women can just be in films without it having to set some sort of precedent. Yes, absolutely. That's very yeah. well said. Yeah, they can just fucking make whatever they fuck they want, however the fuck they want. But I just think, again, it's overall, it's just so exciting. And you're just going to get yeah all the more perspectives and styles and just ways of showing a fucking story. Yeah. It's and- really... There's just going to be so much potential. And I'm sorry. Like, women all have, like, women in this industry, we all have a story to tell. And, like, I'm so excited to see, like, women flourish in this industry and get a chance to tell their stories. Because for so long, we've had such a male-dominated industry that, especially with horror films, like, I mean, we've even developed wording for it. The male gaze. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. can we, as you were saying, like, we shouldn't have to pick that out. Right. Like, I'm, I just yes. want a movie where it's just like, it's told from a female perspective that mm-hmm. other women can relate to that, you know. Or anyone. Yeah. yeah. So, another thing that I find like really in- interesting when it comes to like women being in this industry is I remember when I was younger, I was probably, I'm outing my age right now, but I was in my early 20s and, um, I had gotten the chance to go to my first horror convention and I think it was, it was by Horror Hound. I think it was called, which is the the magazine. I think it was called Weekend of Horrors and it was out in LA. Weekend of Horrors? No, not horror. 
Not weekend of horrors. Weekend of horrors. I can't say that word correctly. I'm sorry. Are you making fun of my slight... What's the word? Lisp. Lisp. No, I actually didn't really think... I didn't think about that, but now that you pointed it out, uh, I can't, I, I, get I, lost. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, bitch. We gotta uh, stop this podcast. Yeah. So I actually do have a bit of like a, a lisp going on, and it's because my teeth like overcrowded when I was younger, so it's really hard for me to enunciate like certain letters. So saying horrors is yeah. really hard for me to like get out. So it comes out as me saying whore. And everybody has like commented on that like in my childhood, so it's kind of a trigger. Oh, no. so, uh, <laughs> slice. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not a trigger, but it, it like it, everyone comments on that, and they're like, "Are you oh. saying a horror? Or are you saying a horror?" Oh, and I'm like, "I'm sorry, I can't enunciate it. Runs my away. tongue doesn't go that way. I'm sorry." <laughs> I am so sorry. No, you're good. I, you're good. I'm so fucking offended. Leave my house now. We're done. Never again. So this brings me back to when um, I was a little younger. I was outing my age, but I was in my <laughs> early 20s. And um, I had the opportunity to go to a convention. Um, and I think it was released by that magazine Horror Hound. Um, it was called Weekend of Horrors. And it took place in um, Los Angeles, and it was for one weekend. And my friends and I decided, like, I think it was, like, three of us, we decided, you know what? The tickets were cheap enough. Like, let's just go for a day. So we went out there, and we were really excited. Um, They have all the booths and stuff, setups. They have, like, all, like, selling all their merch. And then they had, like, um, like the guest, quote-unquote, alley. Where they had all of, like, the famous, like, filmmakers and actors and special effects artists and all of that. And I just remember at that point in in my life, too, I was really hyper fixated on special effects um, makeup and, like, art and all of that. And I was really, like, digging my hands into it and trying it myself. And so I was really, really inspired by a lot of people in that industry. And I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call them heroes, but they were like icons, people yeah. that I like look up, looked up to. And I remember going down and seeing like all of the special effects artists and not a single mm-hmm. one of them was female. They had like obviously the greats like Tom Savini and stuff, but like not a single one was female and it was so disappointing because there are so many phenomenal um female vfx artists special effects artists like some that we could notably name i mean v neil she's a judge on face off i know and she's special effects competition show an actual god when it comes to fx makeup it's insane i know beetlejuice Beetlejuice is a damn icon beetle Beetlejuice. Yeah, but absolutely insane. And then we have other people too, like Christina Cordum, who did Cabin Fever, that is one of the most disgusting, like brutally visceral, like gore in that film. And like, you don't hear too many people, you know, speak on her behalf. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, even going back to classic, absolute classic horror films, Millicent Patrick yes. notably did makeup on cre- 
<laughs> Creature from the Black Lagoon. Absolutely. And, like, you hear people talk about, like, the old school movies, yeah. like Creature of the Black Lagoon. Um, and that was astounding with their makeup. Yes. Uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Dracula. I mean, like, for God's sakes, Frankenstein was written by a woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, re- it was really odd yeah. going in there and seeing that. And then even so far as to go into, like, the area where all the directors were, and I met my absolute dream of a director, John Carpenter, there, and that was great and all, but again, it was mostly men. Yeah. And that was really disappointing. Like, we didn't see any uh, any of them. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the people there, I was so excited yeah. to meet. I was so excited to see. You love I, their work? Yeah, love their work, but it was just glaringly mm-hmm. obvious that it was mostly... It was mostly men. Yeah. But I mean, like, even films that we watch now, I guarantee the average viewer will not know that the person behind all that makeup is a female. For instance, like Liz Mendoza, who did all of the Insidious movies, who did Um, Annabelle, who did all that. Like, that, all of the work that we're seeing on camera is a female. And that's freaking amazing. And I just don't think that they get enough recognition. Mons Ribe. Um, you know, she's a notable makeup artist that works on a lot of Guillermo del Toro's yes. films yes. who are no which are often known for their makeup. Yeah. Pan's and- Labyrinth, Crimson Peak, The Orphanage. <laughs> Christine's favorite. Um but it's interesting because you, you know, you know what I realized. I'm so sorry to go off track. It's not the orphanage that I don't oh. like. I actually love that movie. It's the orphan oh. that I don't like. <laughs> the orphanage Fair. is great. I love that movie. And then I yeah. realized. Um, I was a little surprised. That you said. I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I just it's it's like PTSD yeah. whenever somebody talks about the orphan. I'm like, why? That's- why is that movie so like? Why does everyone love it? That's why you were particularly triggered in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The orphans, the yeah. But honestly, with those films, which you notice the makeup a lot and appreciate the makeup in those movies. I only hear it associated with Guillermo del Toro. Absolutely. Obviously, he made the films, you know. Yeah, it's um, part of his vision. But I've never heard her name really mentioned, and all those makeups are just, just Amazing. incredible. Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. Or Doug Jones. I mean, obviously, okay. Yes, Doug Jones is incredible. He's an incredible yeah. actor, but he also gets all the credit for those characters. Absolutely. Let's bring up the makeup artist too, you know. Absolutely. Made it what it is and look that way. Yeah, or but even Yes, Doug Jones, you're amazing. Oh my god. I know that we were speaking on Jennifer's body earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. but weirdly enough, did you know okay, so the director of that movie, her name is Karen Kasuma. Yeah. Did you know that she also wrote the invitation? I didn't off the you know, I didn't remember that. So wild because they are so drastically different Mm. stories, but they are both so amazing in their own right. Yeah. And they both tell some pretty fucked up stories. Yeah. 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 And again, that's, I mean, another kind of example of what we were talking about in that full inclusivity would mean women filmmakers who don't just make films that are... They're not, on the female perspective. Yeah, they're not pigeon experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Or typecast or whatever the yeah. word for that is. Pigeon hole is good, yeah. <laughs> pigeon decapitation. <gasps> no. I um, keep a pigeon in my pocket. 
such a falling pigeon and put it in your pocket. Save it for a crafty day. A cutty day. Save it for a crafting moment. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of oh. actresses. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Fun. Can Tony we give Collette? a moment? Tony Collette? For Tony Collette, if we want to talk about amazing yeah. women in film. I mean, you see her monologue just <sighs> fucking viral. It gives <laughs> you absolute chills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I w- I felt like I was cowering when she was going. I was like, Ma. Yeah, I remember. We, we saw that movie together, huh? In theaters? Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it yeah. and just seeing her on screen and just being like, what Fuck. is happening? Like, she was so, so impressive. XX. Yeah, so XX is a pretty cool concept. So it came out in 2017, and it is horror, but it's a series of anthology. It's like an anthology. So it's a bunch of little short stories, and they're all told by women. And they're really interesting. So the first one is called um, The Birthday. And then, um, which is by Annie Clark. The second one is actually Karen Kasuma. Oh, and um, the story is called Her Only Living Son, which I remember, and it was pretty damn creepy. Mm. And then um, there's another by Roxanne Benjamin called Don't Fall. But the last story is called The Box, which was really oh, interesting yes. as I, well. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and it was, and then there was one mm-hmm. last one, I think, done by Sofia Carrillo. Rio, I think, which was really interesting. And it's just a massively cool collection yeah. of a bunch of stories, not only told by women, directed by women. It's mostly women, like female-fronted cast. Yeah. So it was, it's really cool. I highly suggest That's anyone, awesome. if you take anything from today's episode, just please go watch a female-fronted movie. And XX is a, definitely a great one because you get to see works of a bunch of different women and short little tidbits. So if you only have like 30 minutes to spare, pop it on and watch one. But yeah, it's on Hulu. So give it a shot. Another, a new one that was very surprisingly, surprisingly pleasant to watch and feast our eyes upon was a... <laughs> Are you talking about Fear Street? Yes. Fear Street, Absolutely. Baby. Fear Street that was, was so, so good. I'm partial to the 1991. Yeah, I think we yeah. watched that one together yeah. the first time. Oh, and we were so, so surprised. And it was just... It, I don't know. It almost gave me, like, chills watching it because I would see so many other, you know, screen yeah. references. It felt, it felt like goosebumps for the kids that turn into adults that are now watching Fear Street. Yeah. It had that very same quality to it. Directed by Lee Janiak. A movie that I love that's dear to my heart, that's an old classic that I didn't even realize was directed by a woman, was uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, Mary Lambert. God damn. Oh my God. So many just like iconic pieces of entertainment. And yeah, I'll, most of the time you just don't know that these are made by no, women. You know, not. it's not. Yeah, most of the time in discourse that I see films and classic films, if they're brought up, I don't hear the director and I don't hear, you know, that it, it was a female director. Usually when you hear someone talk about it, oh, this director, 
and or you you lead it by saying oh john carpenter's film thing you know it's usually male it's usually men's names that people refer to in common conversation like it's so yeah it's so rare that and usually it's with women with other women that i'm talking to that you hear them actually bring up absolutely like pieces of work I've only you're you're actually you're right on the money with that because like we hear like John Carpenter's Halloween or this Gordon Green's Halloween yeah or you hear like Eli Roth yeah like I I can't call a single movie like directed by a woman that's like for instance we don't hear Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery like you don't that's not it's very rarely brought up in casual conversation like that or referred to as you know yeah yeah. Another big one that I did not know about was the composers of The Shining. Absolutely. Two women. So iconic. Yes. Absolutely. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that motherfucking score. The Wendy (laughs) Carlos and Rachel Elkind. Incredible. So incredible. Incredible. So if you did did not know that before today, bam. That shit is just so cool. One of the most iconic horror scores, especially that opening. Or how about, too, how we were bringing up, you know, Final Destination being, like, such a fun series of just, like, not the greatest, technically, but just, like, fun to watch series all the way through. How about a woman is the one who composed that? Shirley Walker. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And that's so great. And fun fact, Shirley Walker was one of the first female composers to earn a solo credit on a major Hollywood film, which was The Black Stallion in 1973. Not a horror, but still pretty incredible. We're just going to give you a round of applause, Shirley. (laughs) We love those big wins. Yeah, so cool. Whoa, I got deja vu so bad right now. That's just a hiccup in your brain. That's what my anthropology teacher said. Stop hiccuping. Stop college. it. They're like, oh, yeah, deja vu. That shit's fucking fake. Stop it's it. It's actually just a, like some kind of. Stop the matrix glitch. Some kind of chemical. I don't know if it's chemical, but it's a hic- It's basically a hiccup of your That's brain. me realizing <gasps> that my other being from another like oh. time portal has died? taken over or died. <laughs> I, I, I heard that yeah. one before. Well, let me just say with those examples that we already went over, we are getting like some really incredible films or scores or Absolutely. makeups. And it, we, you know, it's just only going to go up. We're only going to get more, yeah. more styles, more perspectives. I'm excited to see what's to come. But with that being said, we'll be right back. 